Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. Where parents and family members share with those they love the most about the faith and hope that is theirs. Uh, it's what Ron was sharing with us just a moment ago about what Simon shared with us just a couple of day, weeks ago about our personal testimony, telling other people what Jesus Christ has done, is doing, and will do in our lives. That is a testimony of what it means for us to be what Christ would have us be, the body, that group that is here to serve and save. We don't save a soul, but we lead people to that salvation that comes through knowing and trusting Jesus Christ. And my prayer would be, if you're here this morning and you don't know that relationship, you haven't experienced that relationship, that it's sometime through this course of this message, through this hour that we have today, that you'd give your heart, your soul, your life, your all to Him. We're talking about what it means to be dedicated. I don't know, we don't do that in our church, normally with children, I've been in churches where it's done. I've been in those situations where babies are dedicated. They're set apart. They're recognized as being a gift from God, and the responsibility is that of the church, and it's the responsibility of that of the parents to share the good news with that child, to raise that child up in a home that gives testimony to what that relationship is all about. That's what it means to dedicate, to give something over to God and say, God, here is this child that you shared with me. I'm giving them back to you, and I pray that you would place in their hearts the love, the love that you shared with us of what it means to know and trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. As we've gone through Nehemiah's letter, we see again how God has used him and God has taken him, one who devoted his life to the Savior, the God who loved him and gave him everything he had. And that's the call that he has for each of us today. We've seen the message that he's gone through. Somewhere around 440 B.C., something remarkable happened in Jerusalem. The temple was built and the walls were completed. And this is the message we saw again several weeks ago in Nehemiah 6.15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elu in 52 days. A wall that had been down for almost 200 years in 52 days was completed. That job had been completed because of God's strength, because of God's power. And what Nehemiah and the leaders of Israel say is they say to the people, come, be here with us. We've got some reading that we want you to listen to, a message that we want you to hear. And look in Nehemiah 8, verses 1 and 2. When the seventh month came, just two months after that, or that, the, the time the wall was completed, seventh month came, the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. And they heard the word of the Lord. Not long after that, they celebrated the feast that had been forgotten, the feast of the tabernacles, the feast of the of booze, a time where God had allowed the children of Israel to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. But what happened? Their shoes didn't wear out. 
Their clothes didn't wear out, and God provided for them through that whole experience a reminder of what it means for us to trust God to provide for us the needs that are ours. And the message that he shared with those people, this is the message that Nehemiah shared with them in Nehemiah 9, 33. In all that has happened to us, you have been just. You have acted faithfully, as he talks to God, while we did wrong. Our kings, our leaders, our priests, our fathers did not follow your law. They did not pay attention to your commands or the warnings that you gave them. If you were in Sunday school this morning, you heard that same message from Daniel as the people were looking about their captivity, a reminder of where we've been and what we've done. And then Nehemiah goes on to describe the commitment of God's people in their lives and the trust that they're to put their lives in God's hand. In Nehemiah 10, 21, or 29, we read this. All these now join their brothers and nobles and bind themselves with a curse and an oath to follow the law of God given through Moses, the servant of God, and to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord our God. That gets us to the point we are right now. A point of celebration, a point of recognition that God has guided and God has led us to this point. I don't know where you come from, most of you. I don't know a lot about your history in many of your cases. All I know is that God has led each one of us to this time and place for a specific reason. And that is because he loves us. Because he cares for us and he seeks to share with us the love that is his for us. The people had completed the job that God had given them. They listened to God's word. They admitted their disobedience. They celebrated God's provisions uh, during the Feast of the Tabernacles. And they committed themselves to God completely. And now in the 12th chapter of Nehemiah, the story of God's people and the consequences of the wall around them is summed up. A message of what God shares with us. Because what happened in their lives, the people saw the problem. What was the problem? The wall was down. And they thought there was nothing that could be done to restore it. But God showed them that the wall could be restored, would be destroyed, excuse me, would be restored, and was restored in 52 days. Something totally unbelievable for the people. He seeks to do that same thing in your life and mine. When we look at the brokenness that is there in our lives, when we recognize our inability to fix the things that we know need to be fixed, God says to each of us who are here this morning, you trust me, I can handle this for you. I can deal with this situation in your family. I can take care of this problem that you're having because of God's love for us. And so what happened was the people began to recognize what God was calling them to do. And they did so at a fevered pitch, 52 days. They completed the wall. And through that completion, they did it all with God's help. You know what? This is a testimony, this pool that's up here, of what Grace Baptist Church had in mind for this community. Uh, help me, somebody who's the historian. 69, is that right for this? Somebody give me a yes or no. We're going to say it somewhere around then. They built a building, but they built a building with, with a pool in the front of it. Now, a lot of people would say, that's pretty cool. Your church has got a swimming pool. But the message is pretty easy. What was this about? What did people think about this? 
over 50 years ago. Why did they do that? Because they anticipated what we would be doing today, what you would have experienced this day, what it means for us to understand that this is a living testimony of what Christ has done in our lives. That is the testimony that, that it, we see lived throughout Nehemiah's message, a message of things happening, but the message of Nehemiah is not about walls being built around a build our city, but lives being changed by a God that loves and cares for us. That is the nature. That is the message of what Nehemiah does. God's provisions for us, and there's a change that is to come in your life and mine when we live our lives that, while, that way, a testimony of what we're to be about. And the first thing is we see in the church, and I thank God for the fact that this is a part of who we are as Grace Baptist Church, I see what it means to understand that message of harmony. Many of us don't know what that means. There are churches around that have no concept of what harmony is about. And if Angela was near the piano, I'd ask her to hit a chord, don't do it, Angela. But you know what it means to have a discord. It doesn't sound right. But when those notes come down in a chord, all those keys together, there is harmony. Because the message behind what we're to be about is that as the body of Christ, we become something special, something different that the world doesn't, won't ever understand. We are Christ's hands. We are his feet. We are his voice. We are the messengers that share the message of God's love. The people in Jerusalem figured that out. And they knew that there was a need for them to be together. And we see that at beginning in verse 27 in Nehemiah chapter 12. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Nevites were sought, Levites were sought out <clears throat> where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The singers also were brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the, from the villages of Netephoth, and from Azimuth, and from Gilgah, and from Geba. The message was simple, and that is those singers came because those villages they lived in were not a part of what the rebuilding was all about. No walls around these villages, but their lives represented the building that God had completed. When the priests and the Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates and the walls. What happens, what we see going on in this situation is that the people recognize what God has done and they seek to set themselves apart because of God's love for them and their desire to serve him with all their lives and all their hearts. The message of what it means to have devotion for something is to give our lives to it completely. I know people that play instruments, musical instruments, and I thank God for Angela and for what she does and for the choir members and for the practice and all the efforts that they put in in bringing God's word and God's truths to us every day, every Sunday that we're here. But it takes devotion. It takes hours of practice. It takes days, weeks, months to learn and then when we do that, the message that we share is one of completion. This is what all that devotion has provided for us. 
A message of God's love, of his constant provision for us and for being with us through the difficult times. We see those cities, those villages, those small villages where the Levites lived in Nephathath, through Gilgal and Azimuth. Those places were places where the Levites had lived, but they couldn't stay where they were. They needed to come together with the rest of the body because God had called them to do that. God calls us individually to fulfill the desires he has for his church. And what we do together is something grander than we could ever hope to do ourselves. That is why we gather as the body of Christ in this place at this time. To worship God primarily, but also to gather the strength that we need to have with one another Entrusting one another, living with one another, and serving one God. That is the message of what the body of Christ is to be. And we see that fulfilled as those singers, as the lyre players, as the cymbal players, as all those people came together because they were called by God. Called by God to be where God would have them be. That's the purpose of the church. That's why we have Robert up here. That's why we had Mark up here today. That's why we had Angela. That's why we had all the folks that are in the choir. And I think it's befitting now that those choir members are sitting among each of you. The message that they proclaim up here is the same message that you proclaim where you sit. And that is that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God for who he is. We thank God. We praise thee, O Lord. That's the message that each of us are to be singing constantly as we recognize God's provision in our lives. It's not about, it's not about individuals. It's about the body. And we see this. These are hundreds. I love this. You're going to hear this later on. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of people. Can you imagine that? If Robert were here, don't you know he'd be thrilled if the choir had 100,000 people in it? No, he would want to go out and find six more because he needs a couple more baritones in there. But the message is that the people sang this message together. That's what we are to be about, recognizing God working through us and allowing us to take the gift that he's given us. God's called his church for that purpose. The number of musicians really isn't relevant but that people came because they were called of God. And in that call, they answer the call that is there for us. Each of us are called to recognize where that song comes from. And that song comes from God, and it comes to us as his chosen ones. Luke chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent servants out to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything's ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five oak of oxen and I'm going on my way to try to, to, try to, to work them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. How easy is it for us to lose sight of what it means for us to answer the call that God has for us? It's not just about being here. It's about praising God for what he's done for us. About singing the song that is in our heart that we can't help but sing because God is the one that's placed it there. You can see it on the faces of people that sing. I can see it on the, the faces of the folks in the choir. 
But I can see it when you're singing occasionally, when I have the opportunity to be in front of you and see the voices that are there and to see the faces that are uplifted, not thanking the church, but thanking God for what he's doing in our lives and recognizing that he is the one that brings that harmony in our lives that we desperately search, search for and we need. It's God's presence in our lives together as we seek to be about him and Work not to live in those excuses. Can't you hear them? I, we won't go over them, but you know the story. I just bought a, 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 a team of oxen. I want to go try them out. I just bought a field, and I need to go look at it. Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense 2,000 years ago, and it doesn't make sense today. But how often do we make excuses for not being a part of what God would have us be a part of? I'm too busy. Sunday's my only day off. Sunday's the day I sleep in. There's too many other things going on when all along God wants something from us. He wants us to simply praise him for who he is. And he wants our hearts to be his. And he loves to hear us together. God brought this choir together. And I'm not talking about the one that sits up here. I'm talking about the one full of Levites. Thousands of people. When we were at seminary in Southwestern, there's something that we did every Christmas, and that was that we sang portions of Handel's Messiah as we had the oratorio chorus that was uh, made up of all professional singers and people that were in the seminary that were going to be musicians, probably about 200 of them. But then there was a remarkable thing that they did. They passed out copies of Handel's Messiah to everyone that was in that room close to a thousand people. I don't know if you've ever heard Handel's Messiah and the message that, that Handel used. You know what, where, it, where his source material was? God's Word. And to hear the message of that song sung by 1,200 people would consume me. But to hear someone sing a song just by themselves with no accompaniment, with nobody else helping them, a cappella, the same message is there. When God speaks to us and we listen to him, the harmony that he desires with us is the commonality that is ours between our hearts and his hearts. And so the message that we sing is from our hearts to God's heart. And we thank him and we praise him. And in the process, something remarkable happens. That is when the peace of God that passes all understanding finally comes to us and we recognize what it means to love one another as Christ has loved us. That is what we are to be about. To have the harmony of God's spirit within us sharing that message through us that the world would hear and know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Celebration can also be a con should be a consequence of what dedication is all about. We're going to jump around a little bit. I want you to be sure you're in Nehemiah chapter 12. We're going to jump in this passage because I have just as hard a time as Mike does reading some of these names. That's not the reason it's a long passage. That's what Mike was saying. We're going to read a couple. We're going to begin in verse 31. Nehemiah 12:31. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. 
One was to proceed at the top of the wall to the right towards the dung gate, and then down to verse 38. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed them on top of the wall, together with about half the people, past the tower of the ovens, <coughs> excuse me, to the broad wall, then over the gate of Ephraim, and to uh, Jeshaniah, uh, gate and to the fish gate and to the tower of Haniel and to the tower of the 100 as far as the sheep gate at the gate of the guard they stopped then the two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God so did I excuse me so so did I together with half the officials then down to verse 43 and on that day they offered great sacrifices rejoicing because God had given them great joy the women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. There's a message that's there that should fill our hearts and fill our lives of what it means to sing at the top of our lungs the love that we have for a Savior who gave his life for us. About 20-something years ago, I was in downtown Fort Worth while I was working in Texas A&M. The Aggies, it's an agriculture and military school. They have a band that has over, has the cadet chorus who's in it, but it has over 400 people in that band. And then they have the mounted patrol that comes with them, and then there are other people. Karen will ask Karen about that. She'll tell you about the, the other people, the other cadets that are there, the plebes that are there. You don't want to know what the plebes have to do after those horses go through downtown Fort Worth. They don't do this anymore, not because of the horses, but because of the complaints that they got. When that band of 400 people playing instruments began to play and reverberate through the whole entirety of downtown Fort Worth, Texas, the sound was deafening, and the music lifted, lifted anyone who was hearing it simply by the reverberation that came through. If nothing else, you couldn't miss the fact that these people had a message that they wanted to share, and that message that they wanted to share was that Texas A&M is the greatest school in the United States. At least they're the greatest school that's in Fort Worth, Texas at that time. And they played with their hearts and they played with their souls and they played in such a way that it impacted the city. That same thing went on over 3,000 years ago. When the children of Israel gathered and went up in two groups, one going counterclockwise, the other group going clockwise. And they met, and think about this, the city was surrounded by the choir. And the message the choir shared was not a message of how great we are and how wonderful we are, but a message of what God had done for them. Maybe we need to occasionally have worship service outside in our parking lot that the world could hear and see and know that Grace Baptist Church is about one thing, and that one thing is sharing the message of God's redemptive love with our neighbors and friends, with all of those that we see, that they might know and have the same hope that we do. If we really believe that there is no salvation outside the relationship we have with Jesus Christ, 
What's the alternative that people face? Eternal separation from a loving and caring God. And we are called, there should be a desperation in our lives. We should be about what those people did on that wall that day. We should be singing at the top of our voices what Jesus Christ has done in and through us about how he has changed our lives, how he has made us his own by saving us through the gift of his one and only son who paid the price for your sins and for mine that we might be able to stand in front of a holy God and give thanks to him. That's what happened that day as those choirs sang, as those cymbals were played, as all those musicians gathered together to share that message, a message of what God's love was all about and how it had been fulfilled. And we see the joy that came. Look at verse 43 in Nehemiah chapter 12 with me one more time. And on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and the children rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Last Sunday I talked to you about Goatneck. You may not have known that, but that's the church that I served in that community where that friend shared with me, but that was back when this church used to be at the heart of this community. We are at the heart of this community. We are at the heart of what Jacobsville is all about. And we have one song to sing, and that is that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives. We do that at school. We do that at work. We do that with our family. We do that with our neighbors. We do that with everyone we see because Christ is Lord. Where did the joy come from? All too often in my life, it's a struggle for me to think I've got to get ready to pep you up. I've got to be out there to encourage you and make you strong and get you out the door and have you do. There couldn't be anything more wrong with that idea than what I just said. Did you hear how this happened in Nehemiah 12, 43? Look at it again. Where did the joy come from? It came from God himself. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We talked about what it means for the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That we recognize that where we come from and who we are is all about what God seeks to do in us. There's a time for each of us to evaluate where our hope comes from this morning. Is it about who we are and what we've done or is it about a God that's made all the difference? A God that's shared with us. And that joy is the nature that is ours. We see that throughout God's word. We see it in Luke chapter 2 verse 8. There were angels living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified, that is, the shepherds were. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. Don't be afraid. I bring you what? Good news of great joy. And that joy is that God is with us. We see that happening to the disciples at Jesus' resurrection. In Luke 24, verse 50. When he led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Look at verse 52. 
Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem. How? With great joy. It happened when the disciples carried the message to the world. Acts 8, verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Folks, that is the gospel in our town, Ron. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Jesus Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. And look at verse 8. So there was great joy in that city. The message that you and I are called to share is found in Nehemiah 12, 3. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. The message of this church has been shared with people far away. Message of this church has been shared all over the world. The message of this church will be shared uh, during the trunk or treat. The message of this church will be shared on Wednesday nights with our students. and The message of this church is being shared right now with our children upstairs in the children's program. The message that we're about is that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that in that relationship we have with him, we've given our hearts to him, but he has brought us joy. You may be here this morning and you're looking for happiness. You want happiness in your life. I can tell you, you need to make a distinct difference between those two words, happiness and joy. God doesn't promise us happiness. Happiness is when I'm fulfilled, when I get what I want, when I am pleased. Joy is when I recognize that God knows what's best for me. And even in the difficult moments, he gives me that peace that passes all understanding, as we heard in our Sunday school class this morning, that peace that speaks to us through the difficulties of that moment. If that's not joy, folks, I don't know what is. That I have a God who is with me, who loves me and cares for me and reminds me of that love forever. That is what it means for us to recognize the real joy that comes to us. To celebrate every Sunday, every day should be a day of celebration to us as we recognize not what we complete, but what God is seeking to complete within us. And that is that we grow stronger and stronger in him every day. That our lives are dedicated through harmony. Our lives are dedicated, dedicated through the relationship we have with God and through the personality of his Holy Spirit working through us and celebrating the love he shared with us. And finally this morning, <laughs> that the consequences of dedication also impact the giving that is ours. Look at verse 44 and following. At that time, men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for the contributions, first fruits, and tithes. From the fields around the towns they were bringing into the storehouse the portions required by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah was pleased with the ministering priests and the Levites. And they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did also the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the commands of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, they had been directors for the singers for the songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. 
So in the days of Zerubbabel and of Nehemiah, all of Israel continued the daily portion for singers and gatekeepers. They also set aside the portion of other Levites, and for the Levites set aside the portion for the descendants of Aaron. Something happened there. There was a, there was a recognition on the part of Levites that giving is to be their nature. Sometimes we think that things just happen. Sometimes we think that things just occur. Sometimes we think that, well, other people can do this. But what God wants from us is he wants us to recognize that we are each responsible. Uh, we are responsible for what God has given us. Do you remember the story in Mark's gospel about the, the woman? Uh, I believe it's in Mark 12 who was in the temple and Jesus is watching and all the wealthy people are bringing in their gifts and what do they do? I love the fact Jesus pulls this out. He takes their bags of money and what do they do with it? They throw it into the offering tray so everyone can see. What does Jesus call to the attention of the disciples who are following him? And there was a woman who was a widow. And what did she do? She pulled out, I wish I'd have brought it this morning. I can't believe I left it at the house. I've got two small copper coins that were printed over 2,000 years ago. About that big, about as thin as a sheet of paper. And she took out those through two coins and she placed those in the offering plate. Do you remember what Jesus said about her? She's blessed because she gave out of her poverty. Her nature was to give everything, and she gave everything she had to the God who given everything to her. The life that was hers, the hope that was hers, everything was given. Paul talks to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Remember about what the Macedonians did? The Macedonians gave in such a way that Paul and the disciples that were sharing the message with them couldn't believe it. They couldn't understand it because they too gave out of their poverty. They gave from their hearts. They gave because they were joyful for what God had done for them. They gave because God loved them. This isn't about the amount of money you give. It's about what you do with what God's given you. That's why we have people up here singing. That's why we have people leading. That's why we have people serving. That's why we have people at the food pantry. That's why we have people who are recognizing that it makes a difference what God has done with me as I seek to make a difference from him, for him. That we give back to God that which he's given to us. And what is that which is most important to me? Just ask Karen. She's right here if you don't know her. Karen, raise your hand. We've got people in here that don't know you. There she is right there. Karen would tell you right off, all too often, the thing that is most important to Bob is spelled B-O-B. There's a call that God has for us to put that aside and to recognize what he did for us that he recognizes the sin that's in your life and mine. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That we know that God loves us so much that he gave his life for us. And in that giving, we have the promise of eternal life. 
we know that that can't be taken from us because Paul tells us, he says, it's not a gift that's stored here on this earth where moth and rust are going to uh, corrupt, but it's stored in heaven for us because the Jesus that we know, the writer of Hebrews talks about that. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't go to the temple to worship. He went to the very presence of God to worship, to pray for us. And he is there right now praying for each one of us. Those that have made decisions and those that are making decisions. And he's praying for us right now because he is devoted to us because of the love that he has for us. God calls us to commitment. In just a moment, we'll have that song of commitment. A message of what it means for us to trust God implicitly with everything he's given us and to recognize it's all his to begin with, and now we just give it back to him and say, here, Lord, you do the best you can with what I've got. That's what he wants to do through your life and mine because he takes us just as we are because of the love that he has for us. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this day for the blessings that are ours because of the joy that you seek to place in our hearts. I know there are people here today that are looking for joy, and they've tried to find it in all kinds of different places. Uh, I know I've tried, and I still even try to do that on occasion. Thinking about, Father, what it means for me to be happy when I recognize that my happiness is what you don't seek. You seek my obedience. You seek my heart to be given to you completely. And I ask forgiveness, Father, for the times I hold on to it so tightly uh, it hurts. But I pray that you'd help each of us who are here today and those who would listen later on to what it means for us to give our lives to you and to recognize that the joy that can be ours comes from you when we trust you with everything we are and everything we have. Father, bless us and encourage us to respond to you as we sing together what it means for us to give our lives to you in the moments ahead. And Father, we'll give you all the glory for the things that you do, for we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.